Our scripture lessons today, for those who will be listening later, come from Micah chapter 5, verses 2 through 4, Psalm 80, Hebrews 10, verses 5 through 10, and Luke chapter 1, verses 39 through 56. It seems to me that most pastors love the Lord of the Rings. I read Tolkien being quoted so often by other pastors that I know this is true. So I'm in good company in turning to the Lord of the Rings today on this final Sunday of Advent. The wizard Gandalf the Grey set in motion a daring plan to defeat Sauron, the evil lord of Mordor. And since he could not be defeated solely in battle, Gandalf sent innocent and inexperienced halflings of the Shire to destroy the One Ring in Mount Doom, the very heart of Mordor. Gandalf did so despite the significant risks to Frodo and Sam, whom he cared for deeply. What real hope of victory were there against such evil forces? Perhaps Gandalf was asking too much of the halflings. Perhaps God asked too much of young Mary. Darkness was everywhere. Demoniacs roamed the land. The people were ruled by foreigners who worshipped false gods. Those who did serve Yahweh seemed to be doing it for show and prestige and were exceedingly arrogant as a result. How could God base his entire plan for the redemption of humanity on a young girl with no wealth, education, or family background? And if God truly cared about Mary, why would he put her in such a precarious position? Mary likely did not fully understand the ramifications of what God was asking of her when the angel Gabriel revealed the plan. If she had, she likely would have begged him to pick someone else. But what she also didn't know was that the more God expects of us, the more he gives us. And Mary had an incredible amount expected of her. We are all very familiar with Mary's situation, yet we tend to flatten it down to a one-dimensional story devoid of fear, pain, joy, and love. She was engaged to Joseph and pregnant, not because of sexual sin, as everyone around her would surely assume, but because of a singular miraculous event. Our society today has largely lost its sense of disgust at inappropriate behavior. First century Israel was very different. It was a highly conservative society where the family bond was everything to one's sense of identity, belonging, and role in society. That is why whenever one stepped outside the bounds of accepted behavior, repercussions were severe. They had to be to protect the rest of the family from permanent shame and genuine loss as a result. A family that failed to utterly reject a wayward adult child would take the shame of that child upon themselves. Rejection was the only way to preserve their position in society. Mary became pregnant. We know Joseph was planning to call off the marriage. We don't know what steps her family or town took to distance themselves from such a wanton sinner, but surely it wasn't pleasant. The pressure must have been enormous. 
Mary likely felt all eyes on her every time she left the house. Her friends probably stopped visiting. Her parents probably quietly wondered where they had gone wrong. Joseph may have been going through something similar. If you've ever experienced the anger or disdain of your community, you know how miserable that is. Imagine several months of that. And the hardships didn't end with the pregnancy. The baby had to be born, not surrounded by family, but by barnyard animals. Not long after, the Holy Family had to flee their country, essentially as political refugees. Joseph isn't mentioned in the Bible by the time Jesus was an adult, so there's good reason to believe that he died, leaving Mary in the most vulnerable of all situations, a widow. Of course, Mary also had to watch her firstborn son die on a Roman cross as a disgraced criminal. If this were now, she would probably have been on antidepressants the whole time. Our situation today is surprisingly similar to Mary's. She was an outcast because few people would believe that she was carrying the Son of God. Few people today have enough faith in God to act upon it. There are many carnal Christians who claim Jesus but live their lives their own way. There are many Christians who let the world dictate their mental framework rather than Jesus. For example, to some Christians, right and wrong correlates more with what their political party says than the Bible. There are even Christians who shy away from biblical facts, such as the existence of Satan and spiritual healing. And there's more. Scientists, doctors, and college professors who are Christians often face ridicule from their peers. To be a Christian is to give up academic respectability. That means missing out on important professional opportunities. Christians today are expected to keep their beliefs private and not to bring them into the public square. Despite this hostile environment, God expects us to be his witnesses to the world. We don't have the luxury of keeping our faith to ourselves. His final words on earth, Jesus made it plain that we are to make disciples everywhere we go. That means facing active confrontation and resistance and not backing down. The world is like a rubber band. Maybe you can't see it, but I got a rubber band here. And our faith is on the inside. The more we act on faith, the more the rubber band stretches. But the resistance also grows, and the rubber band tries to snap back to its original size. Those who are quiet about their faith have very little resistance. But like an unused muscle, their faith atrophies. Christ commissioned us to grow our faith and face the world's resistance. In one of his sermons, Timothy Keller said, of course, we will be rejected. Our faith cannot be understood by worldly wisdom. So why should we expect Christ's message to be received gladly? Paul warns us that faith is foolishness to the world. We are like the halflings sent by Gandalf into the land of darkness at great personal risk on a seemingly hopeless mission. Like Mary 2,000 years ago, 
we face the very real prospect of rejection and loss for our faith and obedience to God. This is the dark side of Advent. But as we know, Mary held firm. How did she make it through such impossible odds? Well, she didn't do it alone. She had lots of help. Because the more God expects of us, the more He gives us. Not many of us have an angel sent to reveal God's plan for our lives and encourage us. Noah heard God's command to build the ark, but we have no evidence that anyone else in his family did. Mary had the benefit of her betrothed also hearing from an angel. That meant she was no longer facing the world alone. On top of that, her relative Elizabeth believed in Mary's role in God's plan to redeem mankind and received a miraculous sign of her own. That's where today's gospel reading comes in. Elizabeth told Mary, And why is this granted me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the voice of your greeting came to my ears, the babe in my womb leaped for joy." And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. We don't know why Mary left her hometown and went to visit Elizabeth in the hill country of Judah. It was very likely to avoid the pressure of those who condemned what appeared to be her stepping outside the bounds of acceptable behavior. Elizabeth and Zacharias could have just as easily condemned Mary, but they didn't. Maybe they had their doubts, as any of us would. But the reaction of Elizabeth's baby to Mary's voice seemed to confirm for Elizabeth the truth in Mary's story. Once again, Mary was not alone. And the miracles continued after Jesus was born. The shepherds who came to worship, the magi and their gifts, the warning to flee to Egypt, and so on. It was as if Mary wasn't the one stretching of her band, but God was doing it for her. But as I said earlier, the more the rubber band stretches, the greater the resistance. God certainly sent Mary help every step of the way, but that doesn't mean it was easy or that there were no personal costs involved. God doesn't stretch the rubber band so much that we don't feel the resistance ourselves. And if we're honest, most of the resistance comes from within. Our own insecurities and lack of faith are what most often holds us back, more so than the world. What will they think of me if I share my witness? Will they make fun of me behind my back? What if they ask questions they can't answer? We all have our doubts. We also have our own timeline. We want our friends and family to accept Christ immediately, the first time. But it doesn't always work that way. A failure of perseverance is one of our biggest areas of weakness. Perseverance in prayer is also essential to our disciple-making mission. Regular prayer for those who do not yet believe is like laying a foundation for a new building. The rest of the building cannot be constructed without it. That is what we are doing this Advent season here at Epworth with the names in the basket. Hopefully, you are praying daily for the names that you listed. And hopefully, that prayer effort doesn't end at Christmas. 
keep praying. Prayer is one of the best ways to reach out and push against the rubber band. But I'll admit, it isn't easy. Let me be clear on this point. Nowhere in the Bible does it indicate that God is in any way interested in us having an easy life. Sorry. Jesus didn't commission his followers saying, go and make disciples and I will remove all obstacles. No. What did he say? He said he will be with us. His presence through the Holy Spirit is of far more value than ease. Ease is not going to war to defend an ally. Having the Holy Spirit with us and stretching the rubber band is accepting the risks and costs of defending an ally, but knowing we can't lose. It isn't ease God is after, but faith-driven mission effectiveness. We are to be growing disciples who make other growing disciples. There is no way to do that and remain at ease. Mary was effective in her God-given mission because she stretched the rubber band based on faith while all along God was doing most of the work. So it is with us. The more God expects of us, the more he gives us. And he expects all of us to be about making disciples. Yes, all of us. Just like Tolkien's halflings, there are real risks involved. We know the world will resist, and we have insecurities of our own to overcome. But that's all the more reason to make the effort now. The dark side of Advent isn't the end of the story. Like Mary, if we stretch our rubber band in faith, we will find not ease, but sufficient help along the way. And we will see that the Holy Spirit is taking far more of the world's resistance than we are. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.